you know that not listening to the Shenmue AM2 podcast is way uncool? Welcome back to another episode of the Shenmue AM2 podcast. We're your hosts, Andrew. And Matt. And we have a very special guest with us this episode. We have Ezra Crab. I hope I pronounced the last name right, uh, from IGN Japan with us today. Hi, guys. Nice to meet you. I'm Ezra. You sort of got that right, but not exactly. <laughs> Correct us. Uh, what should I do? The Japanese way? The Dutch way? Or there's just so many ways to pronounce it. <laughs> what do you prefer? What? <laughs> uh, I, I always actually think it's difficult to pronounce my last name in English, but uh, it should be like Krabe. Krabe. Yeah. Is that the Dutch or the Japanese? Sort of in between, I guess. <laughs> I'm not really sure either. <laughs> you're I'm, I'm you're not, a man without a country. <laughs> yeah, I really am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure we even need to call you by your name, though, because you've been donned with the title yeah, of... Yeah, the official title. Shenmue That's right. Respect Champion. <laughs> I have, like, one of these, like, Miss Miss World kind of, like, how do you call it things? <laughs> All you had to do was model your bikini. <laughs> yep. The Shen, well, the I had, I had to, to model my Shenmue jacket, of course. Oh, yeah, yes. Two questions. I'm assuming you get to keep the sash. Yeah, I did. And how prominently is it displayed somewhere in your office or house? Actually, it was funny because you guys mentioned it. I, I just realized it's like laying right beside me. So I took it. I have it in my hands right now, actually. Uh, what's what's it made it on? <laughs> yeah, you must wear it while we're recording. I, must, I, I should wear it. Okay, I'll try it. I, I just hope like the microphone doesn't get in the way or anything. Okay. <laughs> what's it made out of? Uh, I don't know. I, uh, what do you call this? It's like linen or something? Oh, so it's, it's real uh, sash. Oh, it's not paper. Yeah, okay, it's, good. No, it's not paper at all. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I'm thinking uh, it would be cool if I could one day or- organize an event where I pass it on to the next champion or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that'd be cool. I yeah, was yeah. thinking yeah, we yeah. could have some sort of combat in a cage in the, the basement of the big <laughs> ox building where you have to defend this thing once a month or something. That'd be cool. I, I actually, uh, I, I know karate, so it should be all right. <laughs> and so you meet the guy who has better karate. <laughs> Which is clearly not me. Three, 300-pound stature. Maybe um, if you have a white mask and you're in Kowloon, you can beat me. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Uh, um, so, before we get started with anything about your Shenmue background I stumbled across an article in the unofficial Dreamcast magazine Mm. issue number two and I read this when's that? it's a little preview episode or may the the magazine winter 2000 it said yeah winter 2000 it came out so it was Shenmue was already released in Japan and also in the west if I'm correct um it was not released in the west yet okay this is right. a preview. And it would have been coming out around when that magazine came out. Mm. So, they they describe Rio. They compare him to a uh, a movie star, and then they give <laughs> a very quick blurb about the plot. Okay. So Ezra, as our guest, you can go first. What movie star do you think they compared him to? Oh. And uh give us a like one line summary of the plot of Shenmue so it's gonna have to be a movie of before 2000 and I'm imagining if it's yo it should be either a Japanese actor or at least an Asian actor that's also known in the west so maybe Takakura Ken <laughs> oh, you guys don't even know him it's the guy from uh, from Black Rain you know the, the police officer not familiar and and if you had to describe Shenmue the plot in one quick sentence how would you describe it Hmm. I would say a very mysterious revenge tale okay and Matt who would you compare him to uh he's like Jet Li (laughs) and summarize the plot very quickly in a sentence an epic revenge story that's pretty Guys, similar. Guys, I have to apologize. You are incredibly wrong. <laughs> First off, the details in this game from Sega are absolutely stunning. The high polygon count allows each character's facial expressions to convey subtleties unlike anything we've ever seen. 
that on the part, passport disc at least, right? Yeah, yeah. That that part is very accurate, I would say. Okay, then it goes downhill. Here's where it goes off the rails a bit. <laughs> you play an Asian Tom Cruise-like character <laughs> who finds out that Pitakazu Yukawa, the face and personality of the Dreamcast in Japan, is in trouble. You must protect him and find out who's after him. Uh, so they're, they're talking about what's Shenmue here, right? Yeah. Did they not realize they didn't have the full game? <laughs> they thought that was like the full game. Tom the- Cruise-like character. <laughs> I just picture like Rio I, I think actually from a helicopter. Yeah. Uh, as we mentioned, Ezra, you are an editor at IGN Japan. Um, yes. And are you a video editor or like a text word editor? Well, that's the interesting thing because like different from like IGN in the US, that's like a huge editorial team, but we only have like six square people at our editorial staff, so we kind of do everything. I I write feature articles, I write news articles, I translate articles, I edit videos, I do podcasts. So like we can do like everything. We, like as a team we do everything pretty much. Sounds fun. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun, yeah. And what brought you to Japan? Because you're originally from... I'm from the Netherlands. And what brought you to Japan? Uh, so that's a very long story, but... Uh, Just say Shenmue. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, Shen- Shenmue obviously like, played a really big role in it, but like, just like, like all everyone from our generation like that played video games was like uh, interested in Japan in some way, right? And for me, that was like really strong. So it was like all I could think about. And then exactly at that time, I had this friend who had a mother that lived in Japan for 11 years. So when I would visit there, like they would create, they would create Japanese food for me. They would show Japanese TV and tell me all these stories. And I would get really, really fascinated. And that's when, like, exactly when I got to play Shenmue for the first time. So it's like, there's this person talking me, telling me these stories, and at the same time, I'm experiencing these stories myself through a video game. So it's like, I'm, I'm gonna go to, have to go here myself someday. And like, when I was 15, and I had the chance to go as an exchange student, and after that, I pretty much never went back. Wow. Yeah. And how, how quickly did you pick up the language? Uh, well, so actually, I think Shenmue also really helped a lot in that because, you know, uh, as you can hear, English is not my native tongue either, but Shenmue 1 in Europe was released in English, just like in, in the US, right? So I, I really learned a lot of English from that. Also, because there's like different from other video games or movies, there's like this really, really daily conversations that you have going on in Shenmue every day, every day, and like. Dio says the same thing every time, so it's like you really learn how to speak, like how to make com- uh, easy conversations through Shenmue 1. And then in Shenmue 2, which we did get for the Dreamcast in Europe, was voiced in Japanese. So it was the same thing all over again. I, I, it was really easy to pick up uh, Japanese through Shenmue 2. And then I started going to Japanese classes and stuff. So by the time I started really like living in Japan, I already kind of had a, a steady basic knowledge of the language so it was it was pretty easy to to go on from there how's your kanji (laughs) uh well i'm i'm a writer in this language so it would be a problem if i I wouldn't be able to write it (laughs) so so i i was 15 when i came and then i did my high school here as well as my university so like uh half of my education i actually did here oh okay right cool that's that's amazing yeah, I, got, I guess I just was lucky because, you know, I, I'm just like a few months ago, uh, the IGN US team came here for uh, a, a certain reportation and I was sitting next to them and like they had the same thing. Like when they were young, they were like really fascinated by Japan through anime, through video games, but they never had the chance to go. And I somehow did have the chance to go. So like that's the only difference there. I was lucky enough to to actually go to Japan and actually make my dream come true. Cool. I still haven't yeah. been. Someday. <laughs> yeah, you should go. I know. I'd, uh, I'd love to. My worry would be the food. I'm, I'm really? a pretty fussy eater. Yeah, he's so you, fussy. you don't like to eat fish? No, I don't eat any fish. Uh. I think that would be a, a, a game changer for me. <laughs> I'm the complete I, opposite. I eat everything. <laughs> eat everything. Actually, it's an interesting thing uh, here at IGN Japan. Like I just mentioned, we have six uh, core members. Uh, so uh, we have 
four Japanese staff, and then there's me, and the chief editor is actually a British guy. Oh, yeah. And he doesn't eat any fish either, and he's been living here for more than 10 years. What does he live on, beef? <laughs> yeah, I guess、uh, he does actually have a very healthy lifestyle. He does eat a lot of healthy food, but he doesn't like fish. And he's been able to live in Japan for 10 years, so I, I think you should be alright. Well, you don't like vegetables either, though, do you? I like vegetables. <laughs> yeah, okay.、Right. I'm still、oh. fussy about them. I'm, I'm at the base vegetables, like your carrots, your peas, your potatoes, <laughs> your corn, stuff like that. Cauliflower, can, broccoli. Can you, live, can you live in Canada? Is that okay? Yeah. Poutine. That's what I'm talking about. So, we'll hop in our time machine here and、right. go back to a, a, a younger Ezra.、Mm. How did you first encounter Shenmue? Uh, so I、uh, was, I think, like 12 or something like that. No, older, 13, I think. So、uh, it was almost、uh, Christmas, or actually, there's something similar to Christmas in the Netherlands that's a bit earlier on December 5th.、Uh, but, like, you know, kids get their big present of the year. And I、uh, made my parents、uh, promise me that they would buy me a PlayStation 2. And that was, like, just、uh, about to launch in, in Europe.、Traitor. And then I was. <laughs> <laughs> right? But I didn't have a Dreamcast yet. So、um, I went to the store to see like, how expensive it was. And then I saw the, next to the PlayStation this video game console called the Dreamcast, and it was half the price of the PlayStation 2. So I was thinking, like, so my parents promised me that they would buy me a PlayStation 2, so I could get something of the same price instead of that. So if I would choose for a Dreamcast, I could get a Dreamcast plus like eight games or something.、Mm. So it's like, that's a much better choice. So, so I, I went for that instead, and like, my parents were like, yeah, that's not exactly how it's supposed to go, but if you had to get very good grades at school, it, it's okay. And then I got terrible grades, but they gave it anyway. <laughs> Because probably they already bought it or something like that. Yeah, and you, and learned, then I had, you learned no lessons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I had a Dreamcast and eight games. And I'm looking at the back of the package of the Dreamcast, and there's this like, small screenshot of like, new games, and there's this screenshot of Shenfu and Yo looking at, at a moon together. And I'm like, what is this game? Like, this looks like something I have never experienced before. So I go to my parents, and I'm like, there's a video game I want. It's like, yeah, you just got a console and eight video games, and now you want another video game? Get out of here. So I, I, I had this game I really, really wanted, but I couldn't buy it. So then I found out, like, in my, mother, in my mother's wallet,、uh, there was the receipt of the Dreamcast. So I could find out in, at which store she bought it. So I bought one of the other games that I didn't want anymore. And I went to the store and I, I said, like, Could I, can I change this to Shenmue? And the guy was a really nice guy, so he allowed me to change it. So that's how I got to play Shenmue. Yeah. I think it's amazing that, like, as a younger child, You, you changed your mind from the PS2 to the Dreamcast. You're the opposite of everyone else. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, I did. I don't think the average kid would have made that decision. They'd have been like, processing power, whatever's coming out. You, you didn't look at the back of the box for the specs, did you? <laughs> I think I, I never really cared about specs. And there was also another thing like, like I, thought, I, I remember seeing Dead or Alive 2 for the first time on the Dreamcast. I'm like, that looks amazing. If games look this amazing, like, that looks better than the, the end sequences of Tekken 3. I'm like, if games can look this amazing, like, there's no, it's not necessary to wait for the PlayStation 2. So and, and I can get eight games at the same time. So、yeah. it was a pretty easy decision for me, actually. Sounds like a good plan.、Um, yeah, it was. And it was. Total train of thought here. Dental plan. So, after initially playing、uh, Shen. So, you're, you're definitely in the camp from how you found this that you played Shenmue 1 first.、Um, what were your thoughts during playing the game and then once you, you beat it? Uh, I still remember the very first day I played through the first day of the game. And I went from the part, like the opening scene, until the part where you walk down to Sakura Gaoka and I buy my first、uh, cola from the vending machine and I get a winning can. <laughs> and then I had, I had to go to school or something, I had to go away. And I was like, I've just like experienced 30 minutes of someone else's life. That's、mm-hmm. like, 
something no video game had ever made me feel like. So that alone, like, completely sold me. And it was exactly the life I had always wanted. I had wanted to be a Japanese schoolboy, and I could be that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like a, a complete dream come true, that it's game. It's a wish fulfillment game. It's, it really it's, was, yeah. It's funny how kind of... it's. I find sometimes the mundane parts of Shenmue are what wowed me the most. Like, mm-hmm. just buying a can of pop. You said... Right. First, you said I think you said the first thing that made you like do a double take and look at... Because you saw somebody else playing it was like him getting off the bus or something? Yeah. yeah. It was... I. You took a bus in a game? The regular parts <laughs> of life in it. I've taken the bus thousands of times I've bought hundreds if not thousands of cans of pop in my life mm. but doing it virtually that's yeah that's and then there's the thing like like at the same time there was Sonic Adventure right well it's not exactly the same time but like pretty close to it and then when in Sonic Adventure you go to the train station the train comes exactly when you arrive but in Shenmue, you actually have to wait for the time to the, the bus to arrive, and there's like a time schedule for it. And then you go in the weekend, and the weekend has different times. I'm like, this this amount of detail to create like a mundane, realistic life experience is something that actually to this day, I don't think any other video game has tried. Yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, I, I haven't seen any video games go that crazy into detail until the game I just started playing recently, Red Dead 2. Yeah, yeah, actually, <laughs> I I was gonna say, like, if anyone asks me an experience similar to Shenmue, I'm gonna say Red Dead 2, because it really has that same, like, uh, degree of detail to the extent that it surprises me that every media is giving it perfect scores, because it's, like, uh, detailed to the extent that it doesn't feel fun for a certain amount of people, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot yeah, of but people. for us... It's too slow for a lot of people. Right, I do think so, yeah, yeah. On the topic of the bus schedule, what blew me away most about Shenmue was not the differentiation between weekday and weekend, but holidays. <laughs> like, right. here in St. John, New Brunswick, on a holiday, the bus is on a different schedule, and... Depend in in Shenmue, Christmas falls on, uh, I think it's a weekday, and the bus is on a holiday schedule. It's blows my. Is that mind. so? Really? Yeah. Oh, I never, I never actually realized that. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, once you once you completed the game, or not even necessarily completed, but once you were so far into it, was there like a defining moment where you realized this is something special, and that's it's really had an influence on you? I think I already kind of knew it before playing the game and then like at the time I was already like reading reviews in magazines and stuff like that and like in my, in the local Dutch magazine that was the most famous it didn't get a very good review and then I heard some people like saying it's like it controls uh, it's the controls don't feel smooth and stuff like that so I, was, I was like hearing negative stuff about that but I still believed that it was going to be exactly what I hoped it to be and like the, like the first day I played it I already knew that it was exactly what I had hoped it would be, and it only started to develop, de- develop further into the direction that I really love. Mm. And I think the interesting thing is for me, like at the time, uh, Shenmue 2 was not out yet, and Shenmue 2 I bought on the first day when it came out, and I loved it just as much. But at the time, like I still I hadn't been to Japan yet, so I, I had, and I was really like wanting to live in Japan and. Like, I didn't have the same feelings toward Hong Kong or Guilin. So I thought, like, Shenmue 1 was really the most special experience for me. But now that I've lived here for, like, uh, 15 years or something like that, actually, I have, like, more the feeling towards Shenmue 2 that that really fascinates me more than the first game right now, actually. Now that's all, uh, China and Hong Kong is all, uh, romanticized for you in your head? <laughs> yeah, I guess, like, Shenmue 1, the world that that takes place in was very felt very romantic at the time but at the moment it does not feel like that anymore Mm -hmm. and in that case in in that way i think the reason why western people that where there is a a much stronger fan base for the game in the west is because you were able to experience japan in a way that was not possible before but for japanese people you know it was kind of like a world they already knew it was not as romantic as it was for us so that's a big difference i think yeah i'd say that's fair that's exactly why i got into it <laughs> right it's, right it's the i want to say the first and probably the only game that has actually transported me 
Like, right. I can't yep. think of another game other than maybe the Yakuza series. Where I find the Yakuza series is too empty. Like everybody's like just a figure. Like yeah, I disagree too. I don't think the Yakuza series has that same level of immersion and detail. Like sure, like the the city is detailed and stuff, but the people that walk around in it don't. They they are not alive in the same way. Yeah. I think. I, I mean more and, of the actual city though. Like mm. it's it's a game that has kind of transported me somewhere. Like there's like I can play Ocarina of Time. But right. Hyrule Field is a a fantasy land. Mm. It's not it's not an actual place I can go see or a place that I want to go see. It's a video game world. Yeah. Ocarina right. of Time Hyrule Field is really no different than Bowser's Castle in level eight of Super Mario. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's not a it's it's a world that someone created, not a world that someone is trying to recreate mm-hmm. in a in a video right. game. I'd say the I only think... the only other game that kind of transported me to Japan and let me live that Japanese life was Persona 4. Didn't do it as well. Mm, right. Do it, yeah. Didn't do it as well, but it was. I still got really engrossed. Well, I think one thing that's very uh, similar between, well, actually, also Yakuza and Persona is the fact that you don't travel, right? Mm-hmm. You don't go from from a, to very far away places, like in RPGs, for example. Yeah. You are in in one certain area, and uh, especially for Shemu, the the important thing is that you live there. Like many people say about Shemu, it feels like you can go on a holiday to Japan, but you're not on a holiday, you're living there. Like, if you walk through the streets, people say, hey, they're like, they know you. And then you go to, like, the uh, the harbor, people don't know you anymore because you realize you're a bit further away, right? right. And, like, when people do know you, like, at, at the butchery or something, they, like, give you friendly highs. And then in another store, like the, the travel agency, you actually notice in the way they talk to you that they don't really know you person on a personal level. Mm. So it's this 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 immersion of like you actually living in a in a world where everyone around you knows you. And I think Persona kinda has that a little bit. Yeah. But not to the same extent. No. And I think think what makes Shemu 2 so interesting is the fact that um, you have this this world you can trust, this world you know. And then you depart from there to a place where you don't know anyone at all. And you're like with a backpack and you have to find a, a place to stay. And then your bag gets stolen and you have to get it back. And then like finally it's already dark and you have you find this like really dirty place to stay. And, and you yawn and you look out of the window and you see like these, these streets of a huge gigantic city you've never been to before. So I think like I always like to say like Shemu 1 is a life simulator. Whereas Shemu 2 is a travel simulator. It really yeah. simulates true. The, 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 the journey of, of Ryo. Like, and it's really funny. Like, I was just a Dutch guy of like 14 years old, but I was f- thinking that I was a Japanese guy traveling in Hong Kong. <laughs> That's yeah. like no other game can make you feel that way. Do you think that feeling is going to carry over to Shenmue 3? That yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think uh, maybe on a technical level, that game may disappoint but mm. I don't think that's why we are looking forward to it, right? right. As long as it gets so, that that lived-in world feeling that we enjoy from the other two games. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly what they're going for. And actually, I I really like the last disc of Shamu 2, like the Guilin part. Right. And that's it's. I feel and I hope it's going to become an extension of that, right? Because uh, uh, Mr. Suzuki has said before. That he wants to really uh, put an emphasis on the relationship between Shenfa and Liu, mm-hmm. and that is exactly what I what I want more of. So it'll be Shenmue One Life Simulator, <laughs> Shenmue Two Travel Simulator, Shenmue Three Hiking Simulator, <laughs> or, or Relationship Simulator, <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. right? Dating Sim, <laughs> right, right, yeah, Dating Sim kind of. Well, actually, Shenmue, Shenmue Two's last disc. Dating sim may not be the good word, but it is kind of similar, right? You really feel like how you are developing this this uh, connection between Liu and Xinhua. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Describe your experience when Shenmue 3 was announced. Right, so I next never really gave up hope. Like, I always hoped it would someday happen. But then, like, really, the last two, three years, I was like, yeah, well, 
No, it's not going to happen any day soon anyway, so I'm not going to watch all these press conferences anymore. Mm. And I wasn't working in this industry at, at the time. So I was actually working as a... I was uh, writing about... Uh, writing for a traveling mag magazine. So I was at the office just writing up an article and I was like, oh yeah, there, there's the, the press conference of Sony going on. So I, I wasn't able to watch it because I was at work. So I went to Shenmue Dojo just in case to see if something happened. Mm. And then there were people talking about Last Guardian because at that time it was when Last Guardian was announced. And they were saying like, this really hurts because the way they announced it, they were like, this is something that people have been waiting for a long time. And then it wasn't Shenmue. Yeah. So they were like, oh, it's not Shenmue again. So I was like, yeah, well, I know it's not Shenmue. And then like 30 minutes ago, I, I, I watched again on the Shenmue door and I'm like, what? <laughs> it happened after that? <laughs> so I, I couldn't continue working. So it, it was only like, like like morning still but I was like yeah I'm going for an early lunch today and at the time I was working in Shibuya so I couldn't care anymore about what people thought about me I started running and screaming Shenmue 3 <laughs> everyone was looking at me but I didn't even know this I, I kept running through the streets for like maybe 10 minutes or something and then I went to like a cafe and I actually watched the trailer yeah yeah and how was that did yeah, well, of, were there tears? I, the, the, no, I didn't cry actually. But a funny thing is, at the time, uh, right now I have two kids, like a, a twin, and they're two years old. So at the time, they weren't born yet. But that day, uh, when I came back, I came back running and screaming home. I'm like, Shemus three happened, Shemus three happened. And then my wife's like, oh, that's good, that's good. And then, like, a few months later, uh, I got a call, she got pregnant. Mm -hmm. And when I came home that day, she's like, you were much happier when Shenmue 3 got announced. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, but she, she understands me, so it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming the twins' names are Phoenix Mirror and Dragon oh. Mirror. Oh, 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 actually, one of them, guess their names. Are they Shenmue related? Yep, but well, one of them is. Tom and Goro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so one of them is called Nozomi. Oh, it's girls. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're two girls. And the other one is not related to Shenmue. So I did my favorite novels, uh, Heroine, and my favorite favorite games, Heroine. So that's Nozomi and Midori. Midori is from Norwegian Woods, uh, uh, Haruki Murakami's novel. Oh, those are really nice names. Yeah, they are, right? Awesome. Of course, of course, I know the real heroine of Shenmue is Shenhua, but <laughs> we're not Chinese, so... Yeah, <laughs> yeah that'd be kind of strange, I guess. <laughs> it would be, yeah, yeah. Is your, your wife Japanese? Oh, that's actually a good question, because actually now you can uh, kind of say I'm wrong, because my wife is Taiwanese, mm -hmm. so, so Shenhua would be a possible name for, for a, a Taiwanese person. Oh, really? Yeah, it's well, it's a, Chinese, it's a Chinese name anyway, right? Yeah, I thought maybe it was like a more northern Chinese name or something. Well, actually, I don't think I've ever heard this name before. Um, in, in Because I've lived in Taiwan for one and a half years, too, and I've been traveling through China as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, the funny thing is, when I was in Guilin, I was really like uh, searching for any like uh, inspiration sources from the game and like maybe there's somewhere something similar to Bailu Village or someone similar to Shenhua. Yeah. And I, I like searched a lot and then I gave up and I went back to the hotel and the Hotel 2 Space said Shenhua 2 Space. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. So, so Shenhua has become 2 Space. <laughs> That's why she never got out of the cave. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Um, what were your what was your reaction when one and two uh, on H? Can we call, we'll call it one and two HD get announced? Yeah, I don't want to read to the HD part, but anyway, um, for that one actually, uh, that's an interesting story, and I don't know to what degree I can talk about that, so I'll be safe. Mm -hmm. um, actually, uh, IGN got an exclusive together with Adam Karelik to announce that one, so I knew it like way behind, the day before you guys knew it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I actually have a reaction video on our IGN Japan YouTube channel when uh, our chief editor tells me and I go crazy. Um, but at the time, like, we knew it was coming, but we didn't know exactly, like, first thing we heard was, like, it was coming for PC, but then it came to consoles as well. And actually, in Japan, it's only coming to the PlayStation 4. Um, so it was really, really cool to hear that. And it, it was really hard to not tell anyone before it was announced at Sega Fest. Um, 
But uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, yeah. So actually, um, the guys that uh, the the guys from Sega Europe they came over to Japan to announce it here. So when they put up the trailers to YouTube, I was sitting next to them actually. Mm. Wow. So it was really, really special for me. Like I didn't do anything, but <laughs> it was really special. Like the game I, I love most of all of the video games I've ever played to be there when it gets re-announced. You know, was really, really a special experience. How are you enjoying the uh, having those on your next-gen console or your current-gen console? Uh, well, I don't think they're ideal ports. Um, I yeah, I think I, I, I really. Wrote a, wrote a very harsh preview article about the, all the bugs in the game and stuff like that. So uh, I, I am very honest. Like I, I am the, one of the biggest Shenmue fans. Uh, of course, you guys are too. But I'm not gonna say it's perfect if it's not. So yeah, I do same. think there's a, there's a lot wrong with it. I I'm not happy because I don't think it's the ideal way to play the games. Like at least like if it's not like the uh, the remake that uh, was cancelled which is totally understandable at least it should be the best way to play the games like still in some ways now I think like the Dreamcast might in some ways still be the best way to play it and I think that's a big problem I've stopped playing it until they patch in Rio's proper footsteps <laughs> <laughs> I so actually, yeah. Uh, oh, go, go on, go on. Sorry. I was gonna say I can't stand him running across the street silently. Right. Is that still still a thing? Is that still not fixed? They patched it. The most recent patch puts uh, footsteps in, but they're about ten percent of the sound effect level they should be. Mm -hmm. Apparently, yeah, I think apparently it's better on Xbox, but. Okay. The sound problems are the biggest problems that lasted the longest. I think like the the cutscene problems were like really unforgivable. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, we we know why they why this seems like a rushed port now is because it was because they spent well, most of their development time working on something completely different. That's the question. If it's something completely different, because it could be like that. It's only like the the textures that's they they were refining, right? Like it's still like those uh, modern graphics w might have been built on the original source code. So in oh. that case, like they might have already had the the original code done, and then they had to just like choose whether they were going to put on new graphics on top of it or not. It could be like that too, right? Do you think that's how they were doing it? I don't know, but it could be, right? Yeah, we we haven't because where Matt's choosing not to play it <laughs> um we have not released our our review of the the new versions yet right um right. yeah i will say i'm i've played through all of one and i'm in the kowloon part of two and okay. two has been perfect for me oh really that's I, great. I have not had a single problem with two and my entire playthrough of one, I did not have a single cutscene error. I did. I really? Had, I had a lot of, like, missing sound effects, but the absolute worst and the most annoying thing... Hold on. Let's let's go back. Um, one major problem with two. Catching the leaves on the tree. Mm -hmm. Who in their right mind decided to put that on the right thumbstick? It blows oh, really? my mind. How am I supposed Aww. to use my thumb to hit the button to catch the leaves when that thumb's on the joystick, not on a button? <laughs> right. I'll, yeah, I'll that's, leave it at that, that before we get to my rev our review. But I was literally using my left hand to move the right joystick. It, it blows if, my mind. If that was the biggest problem for you, you've had a pretty good playthrough, I think, because like I had like some moments where I had like five uh, of those stopping cutscenes or cutscenes that were shown from a weird angle like five in a row sometimes like it was really unplayable sometimes the the only and it, it was the most annoying thing that could possibly ever happen in a video game I think and you may have encountered this as well I had three or four consecutive or not three or four separate times where when a you would get from a loading screen and whatever the mm. very first sound effect occurred would repeat nonstop. Yep, yep. Actually, that was a, a really worse before release, like before the first patch. Um, but that got right fixed pretty quickly. I don't think that happens anymore, right? It does not happen, but I had it with the bus. So okay, getting yeah. off the bus when you come back after a day of work. And you just hear the bus doors opening, 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 <laughs> opening, opening. 
And yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I had it leaving tomato convenience, the door opening, <laughs> the sliding door over and over and over and over. And it stays there until you hit another loading screen. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, all that stuff just bugs me and it just makes me not want to play well, you it know, until, it's, until it's perfect. The, the problem is, like, uh, it should at least be the best way to play it, I think. And if yeah. that's not it, that's a really big problem. But actually, uh, I have some interesting uh, stuff to say about this because the game has not been released yet here, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't have a, a Japanese release yet. And at Tokyo Game Show, Sega was uh, uh, showing the game, and I interviewed two of the original creators of the game, uh, Mr. Kasahara and Mr. Noguchi. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mr. Kasahara was like the pro, uh, the the planner of the planning director of the original game. And uh, I asked him about the bugs, and he was really you, you could feel like he was really uh, angry about the fact that there were so many bugs in the games. He was like. Uh, saying that he was going to do every, everything to get rid of all the bugs before the Japanese release, which is going to be on the 22nd uh, so of this does month. That mean, does that mean fly over there personally and fix them himself? <laughs> uh, so, no, he is, he is uh, communicating very uh, on a very heavily basis with, with the uh, D3, so D3T, right? So, um, uh, he, he told me that he really, he, he sometimes makes fights about it like you if they say they can't fix it he said no you fix it anyway so he's he's really getting after them and trying to to make it happen that the game gets rid of the, that that they get rid of all the bugs Bless and you, then sir. I, <laughs> yeah I, I love his quote of all the bugs need to be gone unless there were bugs in the original version right but that's which, what it's that's right that's correct i think which are there bugs in the original version i'm sure there are but oh, well you yeah, can do stuff like on the narrow stairs and stuff yeah. like right right which I've never, um but you have to do that kind of on purpose don't you that doesn't rent yeah happen. i don't think that randomly happens yeah um but i think you know that the fact that he says that indicates that what these are some people may tell differently but i think they are ports right they are mm. ports yeah so as ports you know the, the, the least you have to do is to make them perfect ports i think and i know that's difficult because like the dreamcast was a very special type of hardware and to do that on modern consoles on pc to convert all that 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 source code especially from a game like shenmue like the first full-fledged open world was like created in a way that probably i imagine was like really spaghetti code with people trying new stuff and 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 uh, changing that again so i imagine it must have been a hell to do that but you know if you put it out as a product yeah. There's no way that you can uh, use that as an excuse, right? Right. Yeah. I think a lot of it, too, for um, Mr. K- uh, Kasaharasan was where he came from, working on this the original version with uh, Mr. Suzuki. Right. That, A, Suzuki wanted this to be as, as polished of a product as possible, but any time, like, even comparing it to, say, McDonald's, when McDonald's, mm. you know, takes a picture of a Big Mac, they want that Big Mac to be perfect. That is their their baby, per se. And I think where someone else is doing the work on his baby, um, he, you know, he's doesn't have as much control as he would necessarily like and wants it to be as true and as faithful of, as a representation of what it should be. And exactly. He's, yeah. he's 100% right. I'm I read the article and I'm like, it kind of, I don't know, his way of going about saying it may not have been the best, but at the end of the day, it's the message that he's saying is, we want this to be perfect. And that's, I guess, the good thing about being in a, in a modern world like we're in today, they can patch things. Um, right. You know, back in the days of like the Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo, you couldn't patch. The best you could do is you know, reprogram a new cartridge for your second batch of, of shipments or something. Um, I think Japan is going to get a much better polished version of this of this re-release. Mm, yeah, I think so too. Uh, actually, the, the first time I heard uh, Sega Japan telling us before it was announced that Japan was getting a, a later release, like 
at least a few months later they were telling us and we're like and they, were, they, they, they told us that the reason was that they wanted to polish it more for the Japanese first and I was like oh here we go again here, here we have Sega Japan like being all this like like they're like I trusted like the, the, the Europe side of things and I was like well Japan is being like really nitpicking probably or something like that but then when the game got released I was like I'm glad they did that actually yeah, yeah. They should yeah. have done and that I, for us too. Yeah, I think so. And I think uh, Mr. Kasahara-san, like you mentioned, Andrew, is like really ha he has a lot of pride in his product. Like, well, of course, it's like 20 years ago, almost now that he was working on it. But you sh you could really feel the pride he still has towards Shenmue. Like, it's probably his biggest work he's ever created. And like to see someone trying to revive that is probably a great thing. But you know, he, you you would want to expect uh, a certain amount of polish if that happens. I think with the release of it and the time frame, at least to a North American audience, it was a Saga was releasing like big titles. They had like four weeks in a row or something here in North America of yeah, exactly, like, yeah. Of big games coming out. So they had to fit into that schedule. But I look at it from two sides. One is I thought it was very important that they get it out before Yakuza Kiwami Two because the even though Kiwami 1 already exists, Kiwami 2 is also a remake or a remaster, whatever you want to refer to it as, of, a, of an you know, early 2000s game. And if you compare the two, Yakuza Kiwami 2 visually blows Shenmue HD out of the water. Of course, so I think, yeah. I think it was important to have that out, even though it was only a week, is... It doesn't matter if you get the comparisons afterwards mm. of, right, Yaku right. of comparing Yakuza Kiwami 2 to Shenmue, but you wouldn't want that the other way around a week later. Mm, that's actually... Comparing Shenmue HD to Yakuza Kiwami 2 when they're reviewing it. Um, but yeah, you do have a point there. That's actually... yeah. The other thing is, on the flip side of that, as terrible as it sounds, Shenmue fans are used to, to waiting on things. So if this had been delayed and had a worldwide release on November 22nd, I don't think it would have been that big a deal, and enough time would have gone by since Kiwami 2 would have been released. Yeah, that and they could do it. They and, could do it worldwide. And now they put their mm. they put themselves out there, and they didn't put their best foot forward to a lot of people. And a lot of people had bad first experiences with Shenmue. Yeah, exactly. That's what makes me sad. Like, I personally, for me, it's no big deal because I've played the game so many times anyway. I can wait until it gets patched, but I'm, I'm worried about the people that play it for the first time. I'm, I'm, it's already a game that's very old. So for some people, it's very hard to get into it. And then if you have the bugs coming along with that, like, yeah. I can imagine people just being like, oh, forget about it. And that's what really makes me sad. Yeah. I saw a few people quit yeah on, really on yeah reset era forums or whatever i think because like a good comparison would be someone's first time like if you took um a teenager today and sat them down in front of a record player put down a nice vinyl record and you have an absolutely garbage needle on this record player exactly and they don't you know have the understanding and feel of the sound of a vinyl record and they're like well this is this is an old technology that you know you're not giving me a good demo of it here mm. as I think the same thing that kind of happened with uh, the Shenmue HD collection is to me they were just annoyances and I was frustrated by it because I knew what right. it was supposed to be yeah, exactly. Yeah. for the first time doesn't know what it's supposed to be mm -hmm. they don't know that when you Rio kneels down and turns the knob on the on the toy capsule machine that it should sound a certain way and I'm, mm. and I'm like, yeah, why isn't this sound there? <laughs> but they're so, they're not seeing that, and they're like, oh, there's no sound? When I do something like this, any other game would have a sound effect here. The funny thing is, like, one detail like that, people, some people might even not notice at all, but, like, then again, if you have details like these piling up, and then once you finish the game... Like, when we played Shenmue, we felt like this is an amazingly polished game, but then they're going to feel like, well... This game could have used some more polished, and some people might might think that the original game was like that, and that's yeah. what hurts me. That what hurts you guys, and that's what hurts hurts Kasahara-san, obviously, because he's the one who originally made that amazingly polished game. Speaking of finishing the game, a lot of people had save bugs at the very end of the first game where they couldn't carry their save over. Ah, I I think most of the save bugs have been patched. The only 
I'm playing through two right now, and oh, let's let's give context here too. Today's November fourth that we're recording this. Um, this will probably be released mid to late November. This podcast, so there may be bugs or patches in between here and stuff. All right. Um, but one thing is, when you're saving in Shenmue two, there was no. There's like a little rectangle where there's a photo of what part, like where you are. That wasn't appearing, and the meter never gets to a hundred percent when you're safe. Mm. It only goes to eighty, and then it just cuts out. Mm. They have fixed the bug where there's a picture, but now you're getting an extra like sound effect of like when you select something in the menu, like when there's an arrow, the sound it makes. Mm. You're getting a weird sound effect in the middle of the saving screen now that's not supposed to be there. Hmm. Um, so those things again, they're frustrating. But other than that saving thing. And the catching the leaves in my playthrough has been phenomenal, and I would almost say better than the Dreamcast, maybe. <laughs> um, well, yeah, you have the 1080p option. Obviously, that changes a lot. Like to be able to watch that world in full screen is like yeah. a, a huge improvement, obviously. Yeah. So, anytime we have a guest on, we always did this thing where we would hop in a time machine and we'd go back and the person would be in a video game store and have to give a sales pitch to someone to buy the game. You're the first person we've had on the show since the HD release, so we don't, <laughs> we don't necessarily have to go back in time, but I'd, I'd like to see if your sales pitch would change between if, so let's let's hop in the time machine and go back to, you know, 1999 or 2000, and if you're in a video game store and you see someone looking at a copy of Shenmue 1 or Shenmue 2, how do you sales pitch it to them? Right, that's more difficult than actually doing it now because I'd have to think like, what did I think like that at the time? But I think but the you, thing that you're, you're you you're, now, you're you today, back yeah. then. So you know yeah. what you know now. I know what I know now. Yeah. So if I'd have to to, to do it now, it would be easy. But at the time, I think the thing that mostly that what, what fascinated me most about the game was just the, the real re, how realistic that world was. I was like, I would say, if you would want this game, that really has an environment that is so realistic that it's almost as if you're actually there play this game because at the time you know there was not even something like open world so i wouldn't even be able to compare it with that but uh you know the the only games that had something similar at the time were like maybe ocarina of time or like maybe the hub world of sonic adventure or something like that if you would have at the time you wouldn't even have anything to compare with what shemu had achieved at the time so like that, that that alone makes it like such an easy recommend for me but at the same time like I at the time uh, made my friends play the game but you know they wanted more action heavy stuff and like especially like the first few discs of Sim 1 you can count the, the amount of battles that are in the game so I was like if you if you are not in, in video games for action heavy experiences but if you want to feel a world experience a story this is the game you should pick on kind of going on your topic there of showing it to friends I found it much easier back in the day to describe this to someone verbally than to put it in front of them and show them mm. I found mm. everyone seemed underwhelmed and maybe it was just the you know the audience I was playing it to with my friends they were you know more I want to play Sonic the Hedgehog or Mario or right. kill them yeah, because something. You know, today there's a lot of different stuff, like especially indie games, like something like Journey, right? People have more understanding of what video games can do. But at the time, video games were like, as, as the word says, games, something you play. And Shenmue is not really something you play, right? It's something you experience. And that was something that at the time was very hard to grasp, I think. Yeah, it's something you got to do for yourself. I don't think it's it lends itself well to being shown off to somebody. You got to, like, give it to them hand them the controller and then uh, give them a few hours alone with it so they actually that's, that's build, very interesting build their own relationship with Shenmue it's very interesting what you say here because like at TGS uh, this year Sega was uh, you could play the game at the Sega booth and was like which part are they gonna let the players play because that's very hard like to have someone play Shenmue for 15 minutes and then go yeah. away and I was wondering like what what part would you make uh, uh, let players play at, at, an, at an event like that but they just did like the beginning of like when you first enter the Buita and you have to uh, find out who saw the black car and I'm like that's not fun to play in 15 minutes that's really hard but what would you pick mm. 
what's Shenmue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, what Shenmue has some investigative work, and you have the long QTE scene where you're chasing the guy. Um, we're actually, on a future episode, my, my friend Tim that I made the agreement with for him to pre-order the game, um, he's agreed to come on the show, and immediately prior to filming an episode, we're going to sit him down for exactly one hour, give him the controller, and just, oh. if you if you have questions, Matt and I are willing to answer them, but we're not going to give him any direction or anything. We right. want to like, try to get as raw of a reaction as possible, and then immediately record an episode afterwards. Yeah, um, that's interesting, because like when I'm, I, I let someone play, it's very hard to not say anything, but it, it is more interesting to see like what someone discovers himself when he's first playing through the game. And yeah. I, I know, I'm sure Matt will be there too, sitting there taking notes like, oh, he didn't do this, he did do this. <laughs> there's a lot of pressure on the guy that's playing, like there's people behind him taking notes and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know... Should we give him the option to play it on Dreamcast or make him play a newer version? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I almost feel the Dreamcast for authenticity. Yeah. It, I mean, it took. Yeah, he won't. He won't find everything. Obviously, it took. Uh, it took you a couple tries to find the Abe store. So. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. you said you mentioned that once. Yeah. I uh, I don't know how I missed that. Um, <laughs> it's because the door doesn't look like a door. The door does not look like. <laughs> well, a door. not not to us uh, Westerners. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's there's like these kind of details in the game that like are very understandable for Japanese people, but you kind of have to figure it out if you don't if you don't know about the culture. That's that's and that's it's such an interesting tool in that way to in to to really like. But because you guys have never been, but if you really go to Japan for the first time, you actually see doors like that, and you're like, aha! And that's that's the, that's the interesting thing about. About Shenmue, like, if you go to Japan after playing it, you kind of feel like you've already been there before. Yeah, yeah, that's. I I know the inside information. That's not a wall. That's a door. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> See, in my video game experience, I would poke it with a sword, and if it made a different sound, I would put a bomb there. <laughs> the door would open. <laughs> Too much cello there. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, a pretty cool event uh, is coming up uh, in Japan that I guess we are going to be a part of. Uh, you're going right. to be a part of, and uh, the city of Yokosuka is a part of. Yokosuka? Y- Yokosuka? Yeah, Matt, I guess Matt was better, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a, a Shenmue day. Uh, what can you tell us or tell our audience about? So, uh, it's a Shenmue fan meeting that will be taking place in uh, Dobuita, actually. And I think most of you remember the, the Dobuita guide or the Yokosuka guide for Shenmue that, that was done by Yokosuka City as well, right? Yep. It's this, the exact same person that is going to do uh, a Shenmue fan meeting after the game releases here. And uh, IGN Japan is working together with Yokosuka City to make the event uh, interesting. So we'll be having a, the event will take place on the 24th of December. So that's Christmas Day, actually. Um, and uh, we will have like a one hour live stream talk session there at which uh, what I can announce for now is Matsukaze-san, the uh, Japanese voice of Yo, will be there. And we were talking about the game, uh, and together with all the the, the fans. Uh, so it's it's for Japanese fans, uh, but it will be live streamed. And after that, actually, there will be a an English uh, subtitled version coming as well. So you guys can look forward to that. Cool. Yeah. And in the, you guys are take, taking part as well as you guys briefly mentioned, actually. So what I was thinking is normally uh, there's the Japanese fans and there's the Western fans, but there's never really an opportunity for you guys to communicate or know about each other. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask, including you guys, a few of the real diehard Western fans to do a video message and tell your passion of the video game, mm-hmm. towards your passion towards Shenmue. And I'm going to edit that in one video and show that to the Japanese fans with subtitles to like to make them feel how much passion you guys have towards this game. Yeah. Would you say there's uh, fans in Japan who are just as passionate uh, uh, as uh, a lot of the Western fans? 
yes, there is a group of really, really passionate fans, but I don't think uh, the, the like the, the amount of fans is, is is much larger in the West. I think yeah. like there, like for example, we did at Sega's booth at TGS, we did a Shenmue event, and there were still like I think at least hundred people that came to watch the event, and they were all wearing Shenmue T-shirts and stuff like that. So there is really this group of diehard fans that never forgot about it, and like on Twitter, there are some guys that like. Uh, as, as soon as there's something Shamu related uh, on the internet, they, they tweet about it right away. Like, there's this really diehard people that really care about the game, but it's not like there's these huge forums like Shamu Dojo and stuff. Yeah. Do you think they like the game for different reasons than Western fans, or the same reasons? Or? Uh, I think the, like, the amount of detail, detail and the, the feeling of being able to live in a video game and travel in a video game, I think that part is pretty similar. But I do think, like, uh, for example, like uh, like you guys, a lot of people like the first game better because, like, you were interested in Japan and it makes yeah. you feel like you're in this community that, like, people have their daily routines and stuff. But I think a lot of... For Shenmue was originally a game about a Japanese guy traveling through China, right? Yeah. And I, I think that that's for... I don't know, I'm, I'm not sure, right? But I think for many of Japanese fans, the part where Gil goes to China is the most interesting part, maybe? Yeah, that's understandable. Yeah. yeah. And I've... A Western... Us being Westerners, we're we're like Rio in Shenmue 2 when we play Shenmue 1. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like right, Deception, right. there's layers to this. <laughs> <laughs> that's the interesting thing for a Westerner to play because, of course, as a Western guy, you are like you don't know anyone, but still you you are in the foot of this Japanese, in the feet of this Japanese boy. So if you walk through the streets, people recognize you and stuff like that. And Dio acts as if he knows what he's doing within this surround in, in, in his surroundings. So you do kind of learn what it feels like to not be a tourist but to be a Japanese guy, right? Yeah, you still get a sense of community even though it's all foreign to you. Right. And and what's what's the same for you guys in Shemut 2? You don't have that community. Right. And you don't have that feeling of, of safety. And that's what really makes me think Shemut 2 is in some ways even a more interesting game than Shemut 1. Yeah. It set out to do something and did it well. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really feels like you're traveling. Yeah. The bag being stolen, just r- like running into people, like Joy almost running you over on the motorcycle. Right. It just seems literally foreign to him, and I think yeah. he did a great job of portraying that. Yeah. Exactly. And after that, so I lived in Japan for first like seven, eight years, and then I went backpacking. So I went uh, backpacking through Guilin, through Hong Kong. I stayed in China like three, four months. I went to the Shaolin Temple where I went into a, a Kung Fu school where I trained for one month and stuff like that. Cool. And while doing this, I really felt like what Shenmue, port- what Shenmue 2 portrayed, this sense of traveling, was done really well. It really, my, my traveling really felt similar. And I, I remember being in Luoyang, it's a, an old capital, and I felt this like mysterious feeling when I was walking. So there was, it's like this uh, cave with all these small Buddha statues there. And I was walking there. It's like this feels like it could be in Shenmue. And then I go back. I go back uh, to my my uh, guest house and I look at the internet and I find out that actually Luoyang is a place speculated to appear in in, in future installments because in uh, in Shenhua's house there is a, a painting of Luoyang. And then when she looks at it, she says like she remembers, she feels like she remembers it, although she's never been there. So it, it, there is some connection between Luoyang and Shenmue. And I was feeling that connection without even knowing it. That's cool. And that was really little, interesting. Isn't there little statues in the cave where they spend the night in Disc 4? Yeah, actually, there is little statues like that. So maybe, actually, I, 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 rec- I remember that right now. Is that, that might also be a re- reason to why that felt so similar. But the mystique of China is something that is really portrayed very well. Yeah, I think I think Yu Suzuki himself is the one who he originally encountered that mystique and that inspired him. Exactly to right. Yeah. What what's what's so good about it is because you know he he did it for Virtual Fighter originally. He went to Shaolin Temple and stuff like that. I think like you know he really got uh, interested in Chinese martial art, Chinese culture, and that's. To actually have been there and experience having experienced this yourself, it makes it so much uh, better as a game. Because like all these f- uh, RPGs about fantasy worlds, there are worlds that don't exist, and you kind of feel they don't exist, right? Like mm. just like you m- mentioned about Ocarina of Time, it's a very fun game, but 
you do feel that it's not a real world, and for Semu, you feel it's a real world. Um, I guess we really only have one final question for you because I don't think we ever actually asked it, and I think I am a thousand percent sure of the answer. Is Shenmue and Shenmue 2 your favorite games of all time? Absolutely. There's nothing that even comes close. Yes. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. The only the, the, the only games that come close, well, they don't come close. That's a lie. But the, the games next to Shenmue that I really like are the the Dragon Quest series, uh, the Zelda series, and Skies of Arcadia. Oh, I love Skies. Skies is great, right? I've never really actually played. I don't own Skies, and I've never really played it. Other get on than that. that. Get showed me it one night here. Yeah, you have to play that. Have you guys ever played any of the Dragon Quest games? Um, a little bit. I downloaded Dragon Quest 1 on my phone okay, <laughs> for, right. for when I'm away from any video games. Uh, it's, a little, it's, it's a little old. I can't... My yeah, cousin, it's... Brian and I, he had the, the free version of Dragon Warrior from Nintendo Power. And those are some of my favorite and first video game memories is playing that with him he's two years older than i am so he would do most of the playing and i would be like reading off the cards and stuff and navigating him through the cave with the map so it'd be like there's the cave where you can't see so you right down to right one and we'd trade off the controller and watching him beat that was one of the coolest things like that was a big video game to me back then mm. the scale of it blew my mind um, but other than that, uh, actually, I've never... I did play the PS2 one, actually. I forgot. Uh, what is that? Eight. Eight? Eight, okay. yeah. That's interesting, though, uh, Andrew's story, because I think that's a pretty rare story for someone living in Canada, because uh, owning Dragon Warrior at the time would be very rare, right? Mm. It, well, I, it came free if you had a Nintendo Power subscription, though. Right, yeah, I remember that story. So yeah, a that's lot of true. People, a lot of people did have it. I have... I'm a, a bit of a video game collector. Not a whole lot of NES stuff, but I do have one... I have, like, Dragon Warrior 3 or 2 or 4 or 1. Okay. Um, but I've never really sat down and played it. If you guys... You, you should owe it to yourselves to try Dragon Quest V. I think story-wise, an atmosphere that's really, really a special game. And I think... It's not exactly similar to Shenmue, but if you like like the feeling of a really engaging story, that Dragon Quest V is really a game you should try out. Cool. What what can you get that on? Uh, I think today you can play it on DS and smartphones. Okay. It was originally Super Nintendo, was it? Yeah, that's correct. Yes. It never came out in the West, I believe, originally. And then there was a PlayStation 2 version in Japan that never came to the West. And the DS version is the first uh, version that made it to the West. That's something I'm so glad with the Dreamcast. You just pop in a boot disc or a Game Shark, and it's region free. That really right. helped me with my <laughs> Shenmue experience. Yeah, because you guys, otherwise, you guys would have never been able to play two on the Dreamcast, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. I think it was by far the most imported game. It was into yeah. the West at the time. I don't think anything was remotely close either. Mm. I think it was it was the most imported game, not only on Dreamcast but ever, right? I believe oh, yeah. so. Yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah. It was a big thing, like EB Games or GameStop or whatever you want to call it. Uh, they had a program where you could literally do it because there was such a demand for it, and then Sega acts. So, what you you guys would also have to buy the European European version of Shemu One so that you could transfer your file, then, right? If we wanted to do that, yeah, we'd have to. Yeah. I never did, so I could never transfer my file until, I, until, until these new ones. <laughs> I did. Actually, actually, it's kind of a disadvantage to transfer the file if you want to do the uh, the special shooting event. Not not shooting, Fang Mei event, right? Oh yeah. You have to. Because the the date gets really really far away or too far. Yeah. I in my playthrough now of the new one. I kept repeating um, one of the days of work over and over and over to get a bunch of money because um, I was like trying to do as complete a playthrough as possible. And I was literally to the day for the Fang Mei birthday sequence, and then I messed <laughs> it up. Oh. So I'm not going to get the, the item from her or whatever, but uh, 
Uh, yeah, it was other than because in the second one, you just have to keep failing the, the barbershop QTE. Mm. Yeah, but or, you do have to press the button each time. barbershop QTE, I guess. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> but that's the annoying part because at Semi 1, you can do the, the, the where you have to sneak in the warehouse and just ignore the QTE. But for Semi 2, you, you, you don't have to ignore the QTE. You have to press the button each time so you can't walk away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And in Shenmue 1, too, you actually get a second item for failing that QTE five times. Like, you get a new map. Really? Yeah. In the first one, um, the homeless fella draws, gives you a new map of how to get to warehouse number eight. Mm -hmm. All right. That's interesting. Um, that was part uh, of my, uh, my complete what, playthrough. What I wanted to ask you is: is the the part of getting the special event with Fang Mei? Is there a trophy for that one? No, I don't think any of the secret stuff has trophies, does it? Yeah, that's another thing I want, wanted to say about the the re-releases. Is like, like if it's a port, the only thing you can do to make players that have already played it play differently is do interesting trophies. But the trophies are really like really simple trophies as well like there's so much interesting stuff they could have done with that I feel yeah yeah really the only the trophies in one are very standard the trophies in two there's one hidden trophy on PlayStation it's spoiler um going to look at the flowers with Shenhua okay right that's a bit more difficult yeah most of the other stuff uh it's very standard other than like, you have to learn... There's, like, one for learning 15 moves in Shenmue 2. Okay, uh, yeah, but but you learn that anyway. Like, if you just do a normal playthrough, especially if you've played the game before, right? Yeah, you'd have to be very bad at carrying the books, and you'd have to not go to Wise Men's Kung Fu or any <laughs> of the scrolls to really not get that one. Yeah, so for people that have already played the game before, it's not interesting. I feel feel there's some so many stuff they could have done with that. Like even something simple, like you have to beat Chai the first time or something. But then they could have gone even further fur, uh, further by, for example, uh, you have to see uh, the cherry tree blossoming or something like that, right? You'd have to wait until April for that. That, that kind of stuff. There's so many wasted opportunities there. See, I feel. See the plane fly over your head in Shenmue Two. <laughs> yeah, it's, that should be a trophy for sure. See, yeah. See the fighter jets. Yeah, fly over your head in Shenmue 2, I, which I actually got in my last day there. I've never seen. Really? Yeah. I think and I think I've seen it. Yeah. I don't know what I did to trigger it. Uh, Switch at Phantom Riverstone did an article about it, and we we talked about it on the podcast. But I don't I don't remember what it was. I was just like, maybe it'll happen. I don't know. <laughs> and I walked up and I was like, <laughs> share button. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's okay. something you couldn't do before. So we want to thank Ezra for being on our on this episode. Um, he he wanted to be here. We wanted to have him. Uh, I think we've had a great chat. Yep. Uh, you can find us on social media at Shenmueam2Pod on Twitter, uh, Shenmueam2Podcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. We're on uh, we have a page and a group, and we're on YouTube.com/Shenmueam2Podcast. And where can everyone find you on social media? So it's at RyanD1987. That's R-I-N-E, capital D, 1987. Cool. And what site should everyone check? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. It's Twitter. And, of course, be sure, if you speak Japanese, uh, have a look at IGN Japan as well. All right. Well, thank you for being here. We'd like to thank our sponsor this week, BC Military Surplus. Are you terrible at carrying books? Do you not get move scrolls? Come to BC Military Surplus. We got everything you need. You know what we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.